Is Mormonism exempt from the Ninth Commandment? Next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? We like to read various historical articles and books on what people wrote about uh, the Mormon, the pioneer Mormon days, especially the non-Mormon authors. <laughs> they had to be, or they tended to be more truthful and certainly more open in their presentation of historical Mormonism than the LDS historians have been prone to be. <laughs> more recently. <laughs> yeah, more recently. We, we've done sev several segments in the past several years exposing and quoting from some of the early Mormons and the non-Mormon historians. This time we want to quote some very great observations by an author from Germany. He, his name was Dr. W. Weil. He published this book in 1886. The introduction page is on the screen. It's entitled Mormon Portraits or the Truth About the Mormon Leaders from 1830 to 1886. Now, he was a German author, and his full name was William Ritter von Weinmittel, and this book was published by the Tribune Printing and Publishing Company. Now, you can read this book online on the internet at the address on the screen. It is actually olivercowdery.com, hmm. and you can go and, and read the, the, the book. It's under the title, The Prophet, His Family, and His Friends, and I don't know why there's the differences there, but that's the way it is. <laughs> Now, he begins this volume with a few choice quotes from Joseph Smith and then a few from Brigham Young. And these quotes are too good not to share. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> Joseph Smith, nobody knows what the other world will be. I have got the damn fools fixed and will carry out the fun. Ooh. I like that one. Yeah. The world owes me a good living. And if I cannot get it without, I'll steal it and catch me at it if you can. And lastly, we will all go to hell together and convert it into a heaven by casting the devil out. Hell is by no means the place this world of fools supposes it to be, but on the contrary, it is quite an agreeable place. Whoa. <laughs> now, Joseph Smith is considered to be a prophet of God, yet he admitted he didn't know what the other world was like. No. He claimed to have correctly rewritten the Bible, the same Bible that describes what the other world is like. <laughs> Besides that, their doctrine of three levels of heaven and so on that Mormonism uh, believes in um, expresses complex descriptions of what they say the other world will be like. So why didn't he know? He mocks the biblical description of hell, calling it an agreeable place. <laughs> He boasted he was more powerful than the devil, promising to cast him out of hell. But hell is so awful that Jesus died on the cross to keep humans from going there. Smith said the world owns him a good living. Well, that's a free-for-all society, isn't it? Take what you can. You deserve it. Yeah. What genuine prophet of God can say the things that he said and still people place their trust in him for the way to eternal life. Well, the author also gives us some choice quotes from Brigham Young. Yep, from Brigham. There is not a bishop in this whole territory who is not a damned thief. <laughs> Whoa. We have the meanest devils on the earth in our midst, and we intend to keep them, for we have use for them. And then I have many a time dared the world to produce as mean devils as we can. We can beat them at anything. We have the greatest and smoothest liars in the world, the, 
the cunningest and most adroit thieves and any other shade of character that you can mention. We can pick out elders in Israel right here who can beat the world at gambling, who can handle the cards, who can cut and shuffle with the smartest rogue on the face of God's footstool. I can produce elders here who can shave their smartest shavers and take their money from them. We can beat the world at any game. We can beat them because we have men here that live <laughs> in the light of the Lord, that have the holy priesthood and hold the keys of the kingdom of God. Describing all these mean devils <laughs> this hard, the kingdom of God. How do they say this? With, uh, I don't know. It, with it, a straight face. It, I don't exactly, know. <laughs> exactly. You can't with a straight face, not now. Now, Brigham Young, obviously, was no holier-than-thou prophet of God. He was actually... When you read the true unclorox version of, yeah. of, of uh, Mormonism, he was a scoundrel, he was a murderer, a liar, an adulterer, a pedophile, a thief, a wicked ruler, and a hypocrite. And that's just the beginning. <laughs> Those in Mormonism really need to study out their history, not the whitewashed Clorox version that the Mormon Church puts out, but the true history as seen and experienced by those who were there, and they wrote about it. And since they were there, they would know what it was like. Dr. Weil was obviously very much against the polygamous lifestyle of which the pioneer Mormons preached and boasted about. Mm -hmm. So his volume is not pro-polygamy uh, in any sense whatsoever. Before he gets into his text, he reproduces a few testimonials, and one of them is by a lady named Miss Kate Field. And this is to establish his validity. The family is the unit of the modern state. Woman is the heart and crown of the modern family. In Mormonism, womanhood has been outraged and crucified from Emma Smith to the last polygamous victim and martyr. Looking around me and afar and seeing no brighter or braver spirit opposing this monstrous evil, I take the liberty to inscribe this little volume on Mormonism to one who seems to be equally at home on either side of the Atlantic. Okay, so it, she's she's saying that the volume is yeah. is accurate in what right. he's teaching or writing about. Right. So she knew the author, Dr. Weil, and that he was of good character and trustworthy to write the truth about the Mormonism. Now, Dr. Weil also published several letters of recommendation. We're not going to read them all by any means, from, uh, but they were from trusted people in the Mormon communities who testified to his integrity, honesty, and truth-loving spirit. And one of those letters of recommendation was written by Eli H. Murray, who was the governor of territorial Utah. Hmm. So he was well-established. There are several people who testified to Dr. Weil's honesty, so obviously he wasn't nursing a grudge or looking for a story that didn't exist. He quoted from the Mormon publication Times and Seasons about their official view on marriage as published in 1844. <laughs> Times and Seasons, page 715. The law of the land and the rules of the church do not allow one man to have more than one wife alive at once. But if any man's wife die, he has a right to marry another and to be sealed to both for eternity to the living and the dead. Okay. The law of the church, he said. The yeah. rules of the church is monogamy. Rules of the church. That's right. what it said. 1844. Right. Okay. Now, November 1844 would have been a few months after, several months after Joseph Smith yeah. was shot and killed. And we have mountains of evidence that Joseph Smith had at least 34 wives. 
<laughs> now, the official Mormon church essay, which is published online, said that he could have had as many as 40 wives. Yeah. And Joseph Smith said God commanded polygamy for salvation, but the Mormon publication says no. <laughs> and there's also mountains of evidence that other Mormon men had plural wives be before and at the same time that the issue of Times and Seasons was published, yeah. and they were denying it. Absolute, irrefutable evidence that the Mormon church not only sanctioned lying, but the church itself was involved with the lying and the deceit and the cover-up. Now, from pages 91 and 92 of his book, Dr. Weil gives dishonorable mention to other early Mormon men who were then and are now still regarded as having been godly men. He regards their denials of the Mormon practice of polygamy he records their denials, and Parley P. Pratt had the Mormon title of apostle. He had several wives at the time he publicly denied and denounced polygamy. We quote, No pearls for the swine in 1842 and 1843. In July 1845, another denial. Apostle Parley P. Pratt, who had several wives at the time, denounced polygamy in a public card as a doctrine of devils and seducing spirits but another name for whoredom, wicked and unlawful connection, confusion and abomination. Very good, Brother Parley. That's what polygamy really is. But marrying three women in one night and occupying with mother and daughter the same bed that belongs to the Pearl Department of Sound Doctrine and the Purity of Celestial Marriage. Of course, he's being a little facetious <laughs> sure there in what he's saying, but he's bringing out the atrocities that these Mormon polygamous men actually, how they behaved and, mm. and, uh, and acted in polygamy. Sure. Another denial is exposed in his chapter, which is entitled History of Celestial Debauchery. His denial was by another apostle, or this denial was by another <laughs> apostle, right. and later Mormon church president, John Taylor, at a public discussion in France, and this was in July of 1850, he said this. We are accused here of polygamy and actions most indelicate, obscene, and disgusting, such as none but a cor corrupt heart could have contrived. These things are too outrageous to admit of belief. Therefore, I shall content myself by reading our views of chastity and marriage from a work published by us containing some articles of our faith. Okay, so that was John Taylor in right. France on a mission, a Mormon mission. Now, Dr. Weil writes that John Taylor stuck himself deeply into <laughs> celestial mud the moment he made this false statement denying Mormon <laughs> polygamy. Now, we've noted in past programs how the early Mormon deniers described the practice of plural marriage, which we want to repeat again. Taylor called it polygamy indelicate, obscene, yeah. <laughs> disgusting, from a corrupt heart and outrageous. At the time that John Taylor denied the Mormon doctrine and condemned the practice of polygamy, he had 10 wives. Oh, boy. <laughs> Is the Mormon church exempt from the Ninth Commandment? It's a good question. Are they? No. <laughs> the author tells us that when counting the years that John Taylor was a practicing polygamist, from 1843 to 1847, John Taylor had 13 wives, <laughs> 10 of which were still with him when he told that ugly lie in France. Two Mormon elders were also with John Taylor when he made his denial, John Pack and Curtis Bolton. 
they not only sanctioned John Taylor's lies of polygamy, but they were also polygamous oh, men themselves. They were. <laughs> <laughs> so much for truth uh -huh. being held in high regard <clears throat> in the Mormon religion. And then he gave us a little more information about John Taylor. Yeah, Dr. Weil says, <clears throat> And let me add one well-known fact. While John Taylor, the husband of ten wives, was denying polygamy, he was even then courting a young English woman, no doubt for the holiest of purposes, and tried to rob a friend of his, an elder of his promised wife. They were busy men, weren't they? I like they... his tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good at that. Sarcasm there, yeah. <laughs> One of the reasons that the early Mormons made enemies in every location in which they settled was polygamy. The people around them were afraid of the deceit, their lies about polygamy, and, and of their religion, and the fear that the Mormon men would secretly steal their women and their daughters. Yeah. They had good reason to be afraid that. Dr. Weil writes about Orson Pratt. He correctly called him the great champion of polygamy. He tells us that Pratt married nearly all of his own servant girls, for the holiest Holy purposes, superpass. of course, but that he also made a martyr of his own first and legal wife, Sarah Pratt. And we talked a lot about this in our past three episodes right. dealing with Orson Pratt. My personal wonderment is the timing of Joseph Smith's revelation. He claimed that he received it as early as 1831, but he didn't he didn't and he had wives sealed to him yes. that early he claims but that that it wasn't revealed until april of 1841 <laughs> okay so my wonder my what i wonder about is all all this joseph smith claims he's got his revelation but it took 10 years for him to reveal it made let it be made known and even then it didn't make, let it be made known publicly Yet the revelation calls polygamy a necessity, and those who didn't do it will be damned. So he waits 10 years withholding the information from people so that they can know what they need to do to be saved. <laughs> what kind of a prophet would do that? Yeah, that's right. Dr. Weil writes this. What do you see here, people of the great republic, but organized secret crime and a most infamous lying? Didn't I say from the outset that the Mormon leaders were enemies of the Mormon people? Am I right or wrong? I said it because everywhere I have found the masses of people honest, nor shall I make an exception of Mormon masses. I am not prepared to believe, I do not believe, that these Mormon masses sustain their leaders in deliberate lying. Simply they are ignorant, must be ignorant of the true character of their leaders, past and present. Has there ever been such a sinister farce in all history. Whoa. <laughs> Good words. <laughs> Good words and very, very true because yeah. they are leading people in bad doctrine and teaching them the way to heaven, which is really not the way yeah, to heaven. For sure. And, and this is true to the very day. The leaders of the polygamy groups, as well as the leaders of the LDS church itself, have lied and deceived and have hidden true history or whitewashed it so completely that it has very little resemblance to the original Mormon practices. The leaders are the enemies of the people. They are the ones who have perpetrated the Mormon delusion because the, the people in the polygamy group, the people in the LDS church really think they are following the truth. Oh, absolutely. Because they have no idea their leaders would lead them astray, which is exactly what they've done. And they keep repeating that, that we will oh, never lead you astray. Right, yeah. right the brainwashing. Yeah. 
So their members turn out merely to be pawns, uh, while the people think they are following godly men and godly revelation, but they're so deceived and so mentally conditioned that they cannot even read the Bible by itself or grasp how very wrong and twisted Mormonism has treated God's personal testimony of himself. They've been taught to reject biblical truths and replace them with Mormonism. And it began with Joseph Smith. Actually, it began in the Garden of Eden when the serpent lied to Eve. And Mormonism rejection of the Bible in favor of the Book of Mormon continues to this very day by every sect of Mormonism and by each of their leaders. It's like what Jesus said in Matthew 23. Mm, Very strong words. Verses 2 through 6, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do, for they preach but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues. And Chapter 23, verse 13, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. And of verse 27, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead men, dead, dead people's bones, and all uncleanness. <laughs> wow. that's, that's pretty rough. Yeah. Jesus was pretty rough in this particular yeah. uh, chapter. Uh, and we've talked about this before, but it's just so appropriate to bring it up from sure. time to time yeah. when we're dealing with the, the deceit of the leaders of a religion yeah. uh, that they claim that, that it is a godly. Now, we've presented only a few of the verses or passages, but you get the idea. If you want to read all of what Jesus said about the deceitful and arrogant religious leaders, pick up your Bible and read the entire chapter of Matthew 23. Now, Dr. Weil describes the shenanigans of Joseph Smith and his closest confidants, William Clayton, Brigham Young, John D. Lee, and of course, his brother, Hiram Smith. His opinion of Hiram was that he was just a tad better than Joseph Smith, which actually doesn't elevate Hiram to a very much higher level of trustworthiness and honesty. John D. Lee loved Joseph Smith's Mm -hmm. polygamy. He was rewarded with 19 wives and 64 children, which Dr. Weil said, quote, constitutes in the Mormon idea a good (laughs) middle-sized kingdom. A good start. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. John D. Lee took nine wives in just a 12-month period of time. He was rewarded for his Danite undercover criminal work, which he performed for Joseph Smith and his celestial kingdom. Lee wrote in his memoirs that plural marriage was not made public. A single young man could, be, could, could not even know when he was talking to a single woman, she might become, be someone's plural <laughs> wife, and he wouldn't know it. We quote John D. Lee's comments from page 113 of Dr. Wells' book. As far as Brigham Young was concerned, he had no wives at his house except his first wife, or the one that he said was his first wife. Many a night have I gone with him arm in arm and guarded him while he spent an hour or two with his young brides, then guarded him home and guarded his house until one o'clock when I was relieved. 
<laughs> what do you have, 24-hour <laughs> guard? Of, Sounds like it. Sounds like it, doesn't it? And John D. Lee was one of them. Now, this was a very secretive, <laughs> undercover work of darkness. Um, Jesus said that he never spoke anything in secret. Oh. And, and yet, look what the, what the leaders, from Joseph Smith forward, what the leaders of the Mormon church did, the church on which they have placed Jesus' holy name. It just makes you sick <laughs> that they could do that. And they, and they fight for the right to be called a Christian church because the name of Jesus is in their church. But look what they did. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. Uh, I know one time I was in Manti and over the intercom, one of the speakers said, all of you, they were, they were warning the Mormons against taking literature from evangelists. Yeah. And, and they introduced themselves. All of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints knows how much we appreciate integrity and honesty and the truth. <laughs> so when people want to hand you something that may not be the truth, you might just want to say no. No. You know, and I thought, I oh, that. <laughs> how can they say they love the truth and lie like that <laughs> while they're saying it? Which is exactly what they did. And they've got Jesus' holy name that uh, they use. They don't allow much investigation. No. Or they don't encourage any study. Right. Yeah. Unless they've uh, authorized that particular right. literature. Right. Dr. Weil speculates that Nauvoo must have been an interesting life looking very celestial to the Mormon leaders, but looking like a beastly pandemonium to a stupid Gentile, which is how the early Mormons saw the non-Mormons, stupid Gentiles who deserved their trickery. Hmm. About his lack of truth and integrity, he said Hiram Smith lied directly and horribly about polygamy in Nauvoo and proceeded to instruct the elders to teach nothing but the first principles of the gospel. And we want to quote some of Hiram's statement from page 113. The first principles of the gospel, faith in Jesus Christ, baptism for the remission of sins, etc., all the sweet things called milk for babies from the pulpit, while polygamy, Danitism, reason, uh, treasonable endowments, blind obedience to the priesthood, etc., the meat for the strong men, are preached and practiced secretly for the benefit of the prophet and his next friends. <laughs> okay, so now, now the, the treasonable endowments would be um, that they were gonna, going to... Um, um, revenge avenge Joseph, the the blood avenge, uh, right uh, blood avenge the blood and of course that would be treasonable because it was against the leaders of the states and the yeah. leaders of the country and um, notice that he mentions that they're practiced secretly yeah. again I want to refer back to the statement Jesus said he never ever Did taught anything. anything in secret I always thought that in general conference that we were we never heard any deep doctrine in general conference. It's all cute little stories little fluff, yeah. and little fluffy stuff. And I always thought it was milk for the babies yeah. kind of stuff, you know, for the new converts that needed the encouragement or whatever, the, the more foundational stuff. And mm -hmm. it really wasn't preaching anything deep. And yeah. in my opinion now, I, I don't think they really understand their deep doctrine. <laughs> because right. if they did, they'd have to face some of this information. Exactly. And right. they can't do that. Um, now Hiram, 
Joseph Smith's brother, wrote a letter that was published in the Times and Seasons, an authorized Mormon publication. He addresses his letter to the Brethren of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, expressing his views on certain doctrines that needed to be clarified. Listen to this. Brother Richard Hewitt has called upon me today to know my views concerning some doctrines that are preached in your place and states to me that some of your elders say that a man having a certain priesthood may have as many wives as he pleases, and that doctrine is taught here. I say unto you that that man teaches false doctrine, for there is no such doctrine taught here, neither is there any such thing practiced here. And any man that is found teaching privately or publicly any such doctrine is culpable and will be brought before the high council and lose his license and membership also. Therefore he had better beware what he is about. And again I say unto you, an elder has no business to undertake to preach mysteries in any part of the world, for God has commanded us all to preach nothing but the first principles unto the world. He lied. (laughs) Just like Jesus said in Matthew 23, the deceitful religious leaders did not practice what they preached. Hiram was blatantly bearing false testimony. He and several other leaders who held the fraudulent Mormon priesthood were practicing polygamous even though every one of them denied it. Did they believe they were exempt from the ninth commandment? Sounds like they it thought sounds they, they must not have feared God. Did Lying. they even believe He existed with Lying some of the things the they did? Lying for the Lord. Yeah. Well, that's the end of part one. We'll be talking more about Doctor Wall's observation in part two. Good of it's lying for the Lord. Refreshing look at things. <laughs> yeah, and we've talked about lying for the Lord before, but there's always new and different information we find yeah, that we can present. True. Well, thank you, Errol. You thank bet. you again. My pleasure. You know, before Joseph Smith was, there was Jesus. Since the gospel belongs to Jesus and actually is Jesus, how and when did Jesus get lost? And even more perplexing, how can people believe that Jesus Christ is so powerless that he actually allowed himself and his gospel message to be lost or corrupted? Before there was Joseph Smith, there was Jesus. And Jesus promised that his church would last through all generations and that his words would never pass away. Which one do you believe, Joseph Smith or Jesus Christ? One of them was telling the truth and never told a lie. The other one had a life that was full of lies and deceit and trickery. One of them is the way to eternal life. The other one claims to have known the way, which he said was polygamy. Who? Do you believe? Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.